I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with hogsports.com, H-A-W-G sports.com. Today on the show, we're going to talk about your role as a Razorback, what it means to be a Razorback, how there are basically four facets that are important to holding this thing up. And we've seen so much division here lately. I really want to get into this topic. We're going to break down this Auburn game coming up. Pete Roulier, Keith Grayson are going to join us. And we're going to answer your questions as well. Talk a little bit about Razorback basketball. They have their exhibition opener against ULR. All that and more on Hog Sports Live. Plenty of ways to watch and listen. Facebook Live, YouTube. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you're watching on Facebook Live or YouTube, go ahead and throw us a thumbs up now and leave us a review if you don't mind. We're number one rated show on Apple Podcasts, so throw us a five-star review to help boost that rating and get us up there when anybody searches for Arkansas Razorbacks. So I just want to jump right into this. Again, Keith Grayson, Pete Roulier is going to join us here in a minute. I wrote this story yesterday, and it was very just kind of – I just sat down and just started writing and, and published it, you know. So it was just kind of, you know, just very what I was thinking and feeling at the time. And it's really was spurned off of the idea that, you know, you've seen some players and some fans kind of tweeting back and forth at each other. And, uh, you know, some of the stuff some of the players said the other day about, you know, if you're not getting up at 530 in the morning working out, if you're not in that locker room, then you're not part of this. And I've just I've just never liked that stance. And I don't think it's coming from somebody who sees the big picture. Now, these are kids, young men. And I can't blame a 300-pound lineman for getting upset on social media when somebody 100 miles away that's half their size is talking trash, you know, especially when they just got done pouring the blood, sweat, and tears, getting treatment on an injury – that, you know, this person doesn't even know that they have. And, you know, I, I don't think that everybody quite understands what everybody else's role and the importance of everything coming together to make this program what it really can be and what it has been in the past and hasn't been in a long time. Okay. There are several different aspects. There's the players. Okay. So these are the guys that, as I said, shed the blood, the sweat, the tears, uh, a lot of people look at them as like, you know, they, they work a 20-hour-a-week job. They don't deserve any, anything extra other than their scholarship. And, you know, maybe there's some validity to some of those arguments. I don't know. But I don't know many part-time jobs that start at 530 in the morning and end at 7 o'clock or later at night and are sandwiched with, um, you know, a, uh, a full class schedule in the middle, plus involve a lot of traveling, a lot of other activities like that. Um it's difficult to be a student athlete this day. It, it, it's probably never a better time to be a student athlete, but there's probably never a worse time when you consider uh, people's outlet to these players, the guy that's just sitting around in his gas station booth at a, you know, at your small town with all his conspiracy theories now has a direct line to these players and anybody else who wants to listen to, you know, what he has to say. And it, it's been a negative time. So obviously people are, are upset they're going to say things that they don't mean sometimes you know you write an email 
And when you get done, you feel better about it and you delete it. And now it's just, you know, a few characters on Twitter and you don't have time to rethink it. You just send it, you know? Um, so that kind of stuff has been going on a lot and it's very difficult to be a college football player. You know, they, they give a lot and yeah, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to put all that in and then not see the results on the other end. And then on top of it, somebody's coming at you telling that you're lazy or you're not giving a hundred percent or, you know, you don't know what you're doing, stuff like that. I mean, that's, that's gotta be tough on these guys. At the same time, fans, are the lifeblood of this program. And anybody who says Razorbacks aren't part of this or Razorback fans aren't part of this aren't seeing the big picture. Have you ever tried playing in front of an empty stadium? Have you ever tried playing a sport that nobody watches? What does the, what does the TV contract look like? What does the TV contract look like at a program where people don't care about? You know? So... I want people to think about that. Fans are very important. And sometimes fans are blanketed all as one giant mass. And they're really made up of individuals with different thoughts. Some people are very passionate. Some people don't care as much. Some people give a lot of money. Some of the most uh, enthusiastic Razorback fans don't have a lot to give. But these are the people that are supporting you, that are pushing the program, that are demanding success. Sometimes unreasonably, sometimes reasonably. I don't think people are asking for too much right now. These are the people that travel to road games. These are people that buy tickets, that buy merchandise. And fans are going to be in this program longer than any coach and longer than any player. They're not going to transfer their loyalty. They're going to always be Razorback fans no matter what. It's not something that you can just stop doing for some reason. I don't know what that is, but you can't. They're not somebody who's going to take a job at another program overnight because it's more prestigious or it pays more money. They are always going to be with the program long after any coach or players come through here. But at the same time, there's no way for fans to totally realize or understand what it's like to be a student athlete unless they've done it or unless they've watched it up, up close. Maybe they're the parent of an athlete or something, or, you know, I feel like I get a pretty good bit of exposure to what it's like, what these guys go through day in and day out. And it's a lot, it's a grind. And a lot of it is expected of you, and it's all right there in the public eye. And for a lot of these guys, are 17, 18 years old when they started. What were you like when you were 17 or 18? So I think we could do a better job of understanding each other a little bit better than we do. The coaches. So Chad Morris hasn't lived up to expectations so far. Okay, that's what goes without saying. It's been a disappointing two years so far. Okay. I do want people to understand what it is like to be a coach because I think people see, you know, they make all this money. We can say whatever we want about them, you know. Uh, and there's been a lot of things that have popped up lately, like, you know, radio show yesterday where people are coming up with all this stuff that just kind of fits a narrative when really there are plenty of things to complain about without making up stuff to complain about or coming up with numbers that just kind of fit a certain way if you cut it off here or, you know, exaggerating one way or another. There's plenty of things to complain about. But there is not a better job or a worse job than being a college football coach because you have to think about this. This is an ideal scenario. This is the ideal scenario for a young coach who raises to the level of major college coach. This is how it starts out. This is ideal. So you start out as a graduate assistant for a couple of years. You work tirelessly because you're having to prove yourself. You're not making any money. 
but you're grinding it out, proving yourself. And if that works out, maybe you get promoted somewhere to a quality control job. If that works out, maybe you go find a job at a small school in some podunk town, uh, grinding it out once again, not getting paid much. And at that time, you have to hope that you hitch your wagon to the right coach. The coach that you have hitched your wagon to is somebody on the rise. And if he is, then he's going to get more jobs. You know, he's going to move different places. Um, Your career advances. And at that point, you're lucky to be able to move every couple of years, trying to advance your career. Maybe if you have a family and kids, you're moving them all over the place for decades, never really settling down anywhere and never really making a lot of money until maybe you get to that point where you're at a major college and you're an assistant coach. Then the money starts coming in. You keep rising up. Maybe you get a coordinator job at a small school. If that works out, you get a coordinator job at a big school. Then the money really comes in, but so does the criticism. So does you, you being in the spotlight for everybody. And then you finally, you're 45 years old, 48 years old or something, and you get your head coaching job at a major university only to be ridiculed publicly and fired in four years and removed from everyone that uh, you hold dear, your entire second family, and the whole time you've moved your family all the way all over the place. So that's what it's that's what it's like. There's a lot of glory, and there's a lot of great things, that bond in the locker room. All of these things are great aspects of being a coach. There's a lot of reward for developing young men and to teaching them the way of life, but Man, it can be hard on these guys. Coaches age very quickly. Coaches age very quickly. So those are are three major aspects. Uh, The last one is the media. The media is obviously very important. I've said before, if, if, if the team is the meat and the fans are the bone, the media is the connective tissue. And I want to make this clear, too, because I don't think that I was really clear in my article because I'm not talking about the sports information department that is at Arkansas right now, because I really think they do a great job. And the, the staff before them, uh, I thought, did a great job. And Kyle Parkinson and his group now, Patrick Pearson and his group before. However, before that, it was very toxic at the University of Arkansas. And this has started up right about the times, you know, smartphones started really taking off. Um, this would have been, you know, right about the start of the Bobby Petrino era, Jeff Long era at Arkansas. Um, you know, smartphones were taken off and uh, social media was really, really taken off. And things changed really quickly then. But things also were not very handled very well. It's just very toxic. The university's trying to cover themselves, trying to undermine the media, doing things like holding a press conference, knowing the media is driving to the press conference and they'll release a big breaking news story so they can have it themselves, you know, having the razor vision and all that stuff. All of those things were created a very toxic relationship and, you know, certain people just weren't, weren't very nice people. Um, so that created a very divisive relationship with the media and it, and nowadays things are just different than they were. Okay. You, you don't just have the open locker rooms. You don't have open practices like you used to. And I will say, you know, the sports information department the last six years or so, however long it's been, have been very accommodating to me in terms of, you know, giving us the one-on-one interview if we ask for it, you know, trying to make sure that everything is there for us, not undermining, not trying to compete against us, which I think is is also uh, is notable. Um, so I'm not talking about the guys recently, but I am talking about, you know, the overall landscape of college football is just it's different in terms of how 
um, we're able to relate with fans and relay messages to fans. And a lot of it comes down to close practices. Um, you know, it just used to be more open. In the NFL, they actually have different policies where, you know, you – and this is like rule requirements across college – excuse me, across the NFL, okay? They don't have these same requirements across, across college football. Uh, but injury reports are made standard in the NFL. Uh, they're required to open up practices in preseason. I'm not even talking about during the season, but, you know, like spring practices and things like that. But the NFL requires you to open up um, you know, camp uh, to local media. Um, they require open locker rooms after games and stuff. But it's just different now. It's just different. But media and, – and not everybody has it like we do at the University of Arkansas, you know, in terms of, you know, having a sports information department that uh, that really listens to us. But uh, not everybody has that that Arkansas has. But Arkansas didn't always have that. I mean, I'm telling you, it was it was toxic between sports information and media at Arkansas. So those are kind of the four aspects, and they're all important, and one shouldn't be undermined by the other, okay? If this program ever wants to get to where it needs to be, players need to understand that fans are not your enemy, okay? And fans need to stop tweeting at players and interacting with them in negative ways in social media. And I understand getting pissed off, trust me. I understand it. And I'll say this. I don't like when fans tell players when a player makes a comment about social uh, injustice or culture or stuff like that. I don't like fans saying, you know, worry about football as if they should just be narrow minded and think only of football. That's not right. I don't like when coaches tell players that they can't tweet or be on social media. I don't like that either. And players at the same time have to understand that there are ramifications for free speech. Okay. It's free speech, but that doesn't mean it comes without any consequence at all socially because it does. Okay. Anyway, those are, those are just some of my thoughts on all this. Um, you're all Razorbacks. You're all Razorbacks. Anybody who says, that you're not a Razorback because of this or because you don't understand this. I do wish people could be more empathetic overall to each other when it comes to getting this program to the right place. This doesn't excuse the fact that, you know, Arkansas is not winning and it's 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 just unacceptable where Arkansas is right now. Some of you guys may disagree with some of the stuff I've said just now, but I really believe all of it. I believe it's all vitally important. It's like ants. If you remove ants from the system, the the whole system on earth collapses if you remove ants. And that's kind of the same way with with Arkansas. Not that anybody's ants, but uh, everybody's important to this system, okay? And I can take you back to it with the media back in the days of Frank Broyles when he understood the importance of media and he, he bonded this state together. And how do you think the message got out there? It was through the media. The media got the message out there. Okay. That's kind of what I wanted to say on that, guys. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I want to go ahead and jump into uh, bringing in Pete Roulier. Pete is our beat man, covers a lot of everything. He's going to be at basketball here in a little bit, so I want to make sure I go ahead and get him on. How you doing? Hey, Pete. How's it going, man? It's going good, man. I'm a little under the weather today, kind of like the uh, Razorback football program, but we're fighting through, man. Oh, yeah. Allergies? I guess so. I guess the seasons are turning, finally. Yeah. It finally feels like fall. So. I guess it's that time of year. You know, I haven't been sick in almost five years. I don't, I don't know. You're Superman. Because <laughs> I'm sick about every week, it feels like, but yeah. I get it. What can I say? Good for you, man. Yeah, I, I I should knock on wood on that. But in December, I'll, it'll be five years since I've been sick. Um, so, Pete, I was just kind of giving a little bit of, you could call it a rant. It's, it's just my opinion based on, you know, some of the things that have unfolded lately with, you know, fans and athletes kind of going at each other a little bit. And, you know, everybody hates losing. This program needs a win more than anything. Um, but what are, what are your thoughts on, on where Arkansas football is right now and, and where things could go? Yeah, it is. It is feeling pretty grim right now. And but if you look at it, I know. I know you were getting into what you talked about in your article yesterday, like mm-hmm. um, social media interaction. I don't really have much to add on that. Besides, you know, kids are going to be kids. Yeah. Um, like you said, they're seventeen, eighteen. But in terms of the state of the program, well, this year there's been opportunities that they really haven't taken advantage of. I mean, think about the Texas A&M game. I mean, you should have beat San Jose State, and then most recently the Kentucky one really stinks because. You feel like you had the better football team there. But, yeah. I mean, this team really is – I mean, I know Morris has said it frequently, but they are close. And, uh, you know, if things were a little bit differently, they could be potentially, I don't know, 4-2 and two this season instead of 2-4. and four. So, I mean, you can see that this football team has improved from a season ago. It's just when you're not winning football games that you should be winning – it's uh, that's that's when it gets bad, yeah. and that's what it is right now. Yeah, I mean, given all that, the uh, the San Jose State law just loss just lingers right there. You know, if if you just don't lose that one, you know, then you're talking about a four point loss to Texas A and M, a four point loss to Kentucky, two games away from home. Also, you know, all that has to be considered. But I, I do agree with you. I think that Arkansas uh, and Kentucky. I think Ar- Kentucky was right for the taking. I think Arkansas should have won that game. Um, you know, and. You, you keep seeing yourself in a situation where you're losing close games, and that's frustrating. On the other hand, you know, you look to last year, they lost some close games, but they not all of them. I mean, this this Auburn game last year, as good as the defense played, it held them to 225 yards. They still got blown out because special teams were atrocious and offense was atrocious last year. There's no question that the offense has more firepower. Special teams have been dramatically better as opposed to the first half of last season. I mean, as far as returns, kicking game, punting, all of that stuff has been – I mean, it was a disaster last year on special teams. Uh, The defense has been – I don't know, would you say the defense has been similar to what it was last year? The defense really started tailing off there towards the end of the season, last season. But early in the year, I felt like, you know, Texas A&M, they played well. You know, North Texas, they weren't the reason that they lost to North Texas. Um, And also last year, you'd say – did I say Texas A&M, Auburn, Texas A&M, North right. Texas. You know, those were those were pretty well-played games by the defense by today's standards. And then the defense just kind of completely fell apart after that. But I would say the offense and special teams are way better. 
they're just not getting it done at the end. And that's something that I said, you know, after the game and on Monday, maybe it's time to start being a little bit more aggressive on offense, you know, right before halftime, just, you know, those kinds of things. Well, if, if you want to get into the offense, I think what what really it has been hurting them is the uh, inconsistent quarterback play. Yes. For 18, 18 games of that. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And the thing is, Nick Starkle looks like a superstar at times. And mm. then, guys, he – I mean, if you watched that Kentucky game, he, he was bad. Yeah, oh, yeah. And uh, he'd probably be the first one to tell you that. But missing open receivers and, – and, and if he would just have hit the five guys that were open and had the opportunity, that, that game would have gone differently. Mm. And you can't be having that. So, yeah. that the inconsistent quarterback play is just another thing that really – you know, if they could just get one guy that would just go in there and hit the open receivers, this offense is full of firepower and, and uh, might have the opportunity to look like a Chad Morris offense that he promised, you know, a couple of years ago. I think what so, we're I think what we're seeing here right now, Pete, what's unfolding is Nick Starkle gives you the best chance to compete at a high level, but his mm-hmm. low is dramatically low. Like his low is a thirty seven percent completion rating and five interceptions, you know. But his high is being extremely accurate. I mean, early in the year, he's like 70, you know, completing like 77% of his passes, uh, just extremely accurate. So I think we, what we see with Hicks is just like this even level. This has been Hicks, you know, mm-hmm. every game. And then here's Starkle way up here, or here's Starkle way down here, you know, and you don't know which Starkle you're going to get. I think it'll be interesting to see how things play out. It has been the first rep in practice has been going to Ben Hicks from what we've seen as we've exited uh, practices so far. Pete, I want to – That's just – Yeah, ahead. I just think that's just so tough for a coaching staff because, mm-hmm. I mean, you see what Starkle can give you. And then and you've also seen Ben Hicks, yeah, he's even killed and he can move the football. But at the end of football games, you know, they've got Texas A&M, Kentucky. I mean, he hasn't been able to get it done. And you think maybe Starkle, if he was on – like we know he can be on, mm-hmm. then maybe he does complete those passes and makes that play. Maybe avoids the rush. You know what? No it's fan. Just so frustrating. You know what? No fan wants to hear after a loss from from a coach. What's that? They don't want to hear. Nobody hurts more than those players in the locker room. <laughs> Nobody wants to. It may be. It may be absolutely true. It may be absolutely true. But nobody who considered throwing their remote through their television screen should have their pain or disappointment <laughs> mitigated immediately after a game. And nobody ever said, oh, well, that really puts things in perspective. Here I was about to toss yeah. my couch out the window and burn it. <laughs> well, and, and uh, yeah, you're saying that. And Chad does like to mention that after every game. Yeah. Yeah, Houston, Houston Nutt did that a lot too. Um, but no fan wants to have their pain or disappointment mitigated. And the fact of the matter is they hurt uh, badly. Maybe not as much as the player, but they hurt after a game. And they are usually enraged <laughs> after a close one. Um, so I want to take you to Auburn. What can you tell me about this Auburn offense and how they match, match up with the Razorback defense? Well, this is the last thing that anybody wants to hear coming out of my mouth is that Auburn's got a quarterback that can run. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many times I have to say this before a game. They got a quarterback that can run, and can Arkansas step up and defend it? And I think about 100 times out of 100, they haven't been able to do that. So is today the day? I don't know. So they got Bo Nix. He's a redshirt freshman. He's no Cam Newton or Nick Marshall like, you know, you might mm-hmm. be used to with these Auburn offenses. But he can run the ball quite a bit. And, you know, he's been pretty steady, even killed throughout the whole season. But – um, he kind of showed some weakness this last time out. Um, obviously, that bye week last Saturday, but against yeah. Florida, 
he uh, threw three picks. I don't know. I think it was like a hundred something yards. You know, he he was really definitely his worst his worst game. His best game was probably the week before against Mississippi State when he went for three thirty five. He really impressed. Yeah, Mississippi State was impressive, and then against a good Oregon defense, he was. Yeah. He did everything that he could. Had a big to play at the end. Victory. Exactly. So Bo Nix is going to be kind of you know he's a redshirt freshman. He might make a few mistakes, but um, overall he's definitely got the weapons to beat an Arkansas defense that you know kind of struggles against running quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at at running back for them, they got Booby Whitlow, who's out. Jatarvius. Booby Whitlow. Yeah. I, love, I just love the name Booby in football. I think it's a great football name. Um, <laughs> but he's going to be out. He's on the shelf. So you got freshman DJ Williams and Cam Martin. Cam Martin's an experienced guy. I think they're going to try to run the football against Arkansas, even though they got uh, Whitlow out. Because mm-hmm. these are two guys that, I mean, they're, they're not going to give you the same production that Willow is. It's kind of like if Rakeem Boyd was out. Yeah. Um, he's just kind of head and shoulders above the rest. But these other running backs are still pretty decent. Um, they're going to try to run the football. And then a wide receiver, they got some weapons as well. Seth Williams is a guy that missed a game at wide receiver, but he still leads the team with 21 receptions for, I don't know, a ridiculous 368 yards and five touchdowns. So, I mean, he's he's missed five games, but he's still got more production than he Razorback wideout does. And a couple other guys, Eli Stove, and a lot of people might remember Will Hastings. He's kind of found a good role for Auburn over there as a senior, the Pulaski Academy product. Mm-hmm. He's got 10 passes for 162 yards, so pretty complete. And then on the offensive line, it's just experience of what comes out to you, but um, a bunch of seniors, but then then Florida showed you that you can get after this offensive line. They're not they're not perfect. Yeah. What about the flip side, defense versus offense? Yeah, Derek Brown is the first thing that comes to mind. Just mm-hmm. an absolute beast on the defensive line. I think um, Joe Craddock compared him to Jadavion Clowney, but as a defensive tackle. Huh. Which, if you remember Jadavion Clowney in yeah. uh, South Carolina in college, he was an absolute wrecking ball, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what he's been—just disruptive. And it doesn't stop with there the defensive line, man. They're just super deep. Got Marlon Davidson, guy mm-hmm. named Big Cat Bryant, and uh, Tyrone Truesdale and Nick Coe. I mean, that's five guys right there that could probably start for most SEC defensive lines that they have at their arsenal. And then at linebacker, KJ Britt's a guy that's been really impressive this season all over the football field. Kind of reminds you of one of those SEC caliber guys that. Just you need to make a defense, um, kind of like Cash Daniel was last week for Kentucky. And mm-hmm. then uh, on the backside, uh, it, like, again, it kind of reminds me of Kentucky. There's one guy that really stands out. That's uh, Jarvis Davis, the cornerback, a senior. But uh, they've only intercepted one pass this season. They played a lot of heavy passing offenses. The thing that helps the secondary is that they got a great defensive line in front of them. So if you can contain that defensive line, I think you got a shot to have some pass wins and be wide open. Pete Royer joining us here on Hog Sports Live. You can listen, you can watch Pete's, you can read Pete's stuff at hogsports.com, H A W G sports.com. Pete, I wanted to take you real quick. We're going to wrap up here, but uh, you're about to head over to, to basketball for uh, Eric Musselman's press Exciting conference. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Playing UALR. I'm, I'm excited about this basketball team. I mean, I know they're going to be young and they're going to lose some games and make some mistakes and stuff, but the newness of it all. And I really think that Musselman has things kind of headed in the right direction. What do you think about, about this weekend's game against UALR? Hey man, I don't know if you remember this, but UALR is Little Rock. Program that, they want to be called Little Rock. Well, we got to show the respect. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. Well, Little Rock came into Baumwalker stadium and beat one of the top baseball teams in the country. Yep. So I mean, this they they they're they're going to give Arkansas their best shot, but obviously talent wise, Arkansas is the upper hand. Um, it's going to be exciting to see what they're going to do without Vanover there. Mm-hmm. Um, no, Vanover should I mean, be able to play, right? He can play in the, the ex- expeditions. Yeah, yeah, he can play in the expeditions. 
Well, I'm still excited to see what they can do without Vayner because it's not looking great for his prospects playing the season. Right. Because that's all that I can really think about is just the rebounding. Mm-hmm. But then I go, I go and look at the SEC, and it's not like they there's a bunch of teams that have a huge um, center. So they might match up well with some teams in the SEC. Reggie Chaney, I want to see what he can do against other competition, mm-hmm. knowing that he's the guy this season. There's no Daniel Gafford. I, I was looking at this team earlier today and looking at it on paper like, man, how impressive would this team be if Gafford was oh, still yeah. here? Obviously, you know, yeah. he has to do what he's got to do. But, wow, I mean, like, it would be pretty impressive. And then also, uh, I like I look at the point guard situation with Jalen Harris and Jimmy Whittle. It be interesting to see what they do in terms of that. Neither of the guy can really shoot from beyond the arc, which you kind of need in this day and age in college basketball. But Jimmy Whittle looked like a heck of a facilitator. Um, he can rebound from the guard position. He looked, He was one of the most impressive guys to me in the red-white game. And then Jalen Harris, you saw what he can do last season. So mm-hmm. I don't think you can put both those guys on the court at the same time. So it'll be interesting to see kind of wins that battle. Yep. All right, Pete. Appreciate you, man. No problem, man. Take it easy. Hey, are you going? Is Keith coming on? Yeah, Keith's coming on right after. You want to? You want to say something? Well, I was thinking about like what he reminds me of, and he kind of reminds me of that guy that like coaches youth football, mm-hmm. right? But he doesn't have a kid. You're kind of wondering what he's doing there, and he's <laughs> just kind of there to. Stock on moms. That's kind of what he reminds me of. That's the type of person they're getting in Keith Grayson. But tell him I said hi, all right? I will do. All right. That's Pete. Take it easy. That's Pete Rule. Yeah, guys. Um, some good insight in there. In there from uh, from Pete. Now we're like I said, we're just going to go ahead and jump right into Keith Grayson. Maybe he's got a response right there. Uh, Keith, uh, Keith probably would not deny. Oh, Pete Rule. <laughs> yeah, I, I caught the end of that. That was yeah, pretty good. It wasn't bad and, and probably not untrue. Not too far from the truth. <laughs> However, so here's what I tell my my kids that I coach is that I'm I'm there to be the guy that I needed when I was their age because I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, and if any of them are up for adoption and need, to be uh and, and possibly could be a future nfl left tackle I'm, yeah. I'm there for that as well yeah only only if you have that that future though um so for those who aren't familiar with keith grayson he is uh real estate just closed his second biggest deal ever right you said you're counting the money you yeah that? yeah I, it's been a it's gonna be it was it's supposed to be a good month but all right and uh, he, he's been with us for a long time at uh, hogsports.com as a member, a longtime Razorback fan, provides a unique fan perspective. Also uh, coaches high school football on the side. I guess that's your side gig and is the former, uh, disgraced former president and founder of the Arizona Razorback Club. Does that pretty much sum it up? That's a, that's a lofty title. That's a, that's a long list of yeah. things. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a renaissance man for sure. You're a renaissance man. I can, I'll give you that title. We'll give you that. So... Keith, what do you think about the state of Razorback football? I mean, you pretty much nailed this Kentucky game, how it was going to play out, even though everybody else was trying to say, ah, oh, they got a chance. And you, you just kind of – you've been there enough, I guess. You know you know what was going to happen. Well, just uh, – we, we aren't correcting defensive alignments on our on our fronts to uh, – to, we, we keep on giving – we can't contain the outside. So, I kind of knew that. And then, you know, speed options is something that a lot of people want to play. Um, they want to read the – option when mm-hmm. my rule is you just go kill the quarterback make mm-hmm. him pitch it but anyway no the, the the current state of the arkansas program the way that i look at it everybody overreacts 
and like fire the coach and they go crazy. And I kind of want to, I want to be kind of in the middle of that and not, it's not great, but it's not as bad as people think. I look at it from my perspective last year with Chad Morris didn't count because there was such a lack of talent that we were, you know, we were awful. I mean, we got blown out by Vanderbilt. That's, that's how bad we were mm-hmm. this year. I, the, what I compare it to is 2009 with Bobby Petrino. I know Chad Morris isn't Bobby Petrino. We're not going to see like 10, 11 win seasons in the next two or three years, but I think you can get to eight, nine, you know, I think you can sneak in. We just got to, he got to, he has to keep building it. And we got to keep reminding people that there's 76 sophomores and freshmen on this team. Mm-hmm. It's extremely young. And that's, it's in the SEC. And so when you go into a place like Kentucky and it's not as bad as a loss, if you compare it to Mark Stoops has been there for, uh, is it Mike or Mark? Mark. How do I know? Mark. Mark Stoops has been there for seven years, mm-hmm. and Chad's been here a year and a half. You know, there that, are a lot of examples. There are a lot of examples of coaches that didn't get it done early in their careers, almost got fired. Dabo's an example. Um, oh, the Virginia Tech coach. I can't believe I'm spacing on his name, but uh, is another example. Former Virginia Tech coach. Um, there's a lot of examples of coaches that did that. So, do you think that Morris? Do you think that Morris will get it done at Arkansas, or do you think that he? Or is your stance basically that he needs the time to show that he can get it done? That guy, that guy at Virginia Tech with the thing on his neck was there forever. Yeah, why can't we remember his name? <laughs> no, I know. It's not a very nice thing to say, by the way. <laughs> oh no, he started out. Uh, yeah, everybody. I, I. Okay, so let me let me also respond to this comparison not everybody is like well mike Sus- mike Susesky did it that's not that's you don't want to be that outlier you don't want to compare to like right. that one guy so mm-hmm. let's just let's just call for what it is that there are more examples of coaches that didn't do very well in year two you know that that obviously didn't go on to to have much success there are definitely those are the outliers that we're talking about yes I just it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a slow rebuild, and if you look at what he did at SMU, they didn't set the world on fire. I, it was a slow turnaround. It's a mm-hmm. three to four year turnaround, and they're gonna do it by we're playing a ton of freshmen. So the, by the time these kids, Tyler Sobey is a senior, he's gonna be a badass. He's gonna be a first round pick. You know, I mean, he's gonna get three more years in the SEC. So these guys got to mature, mm-hmm. and the, the most frustrating thing is. I guess from from my perspective again is that as a coach, if you're trying to pull this thing together and you got the fans out with uh, pitchforks and everything waiting outside your house with a four sale sign in the front yard, you gotta you gotta keep the players on board. And that the most disappointing thing in all of this, outside of losing Tatius Crawford as a as a commitment, was Devin Bush in the two, he's in the two deep as a freshman, as a true freshman. They well, got he there didn't... in the summer. Yeah, I don't know. I think he got passed over by Malik Javis, um, and and didn't and Brito Tut when he got healthy, he was playing ahead of him. So, I, I think that's probably the reason for his frustration because he wasn't going to sign early, and then you know he did sign early, and then you know he's not playing. Uh, at the same time, you know Gregory Brooks oh, he plays was a lot. On campus early? Yeah, he, he enrolled early. He wasn't going to, and he enrolled early. So, uh, I think that's part of his frustration. But at the same time, unless he's got a reason. For transferring, that's that's viable. He's not only going to not play this year, but he's also not going to play next year and lose a year of eligibility at the same time. I think the one that's disappointing too is Devon McClure. Um, 
you know, I, he may just have entered the transfer portal just to kind of keep his options open and, you know, is planning on, you know, focusing. But, you know, that's a guy that was playing for you, you know, contributing. Um, What's so ironic about that is I'm watching the Kentucky game, and I'm like, man, they're really getting nailed at the strong side, you know, where the where the Sam he, – he would be at, at the Sam. Mm-hmm. Instead, they're in nickel, and they got Greg Brooks Jr. out there getting demolished. I agree. Greg Brooks Jr. had no business. He he's got a role in this team, obviously, but he had no business being out there against a team that's going to run the ball as much as Kentucky was running the ball. No business being out there. They should have been with three linebackers. They should have been completely selling out. I mean, we can talk about like things like they need time to do this and do that, but the things that stood out to me about Kentucky that were disappointing was not actively trying to get it to certain playmakers enough. Uh, the defensive scheme, I mean, you could look at what was going on in defense, and you mentioned it earlier, and 75% be accurate in telling whether or not Kentucky was going to have success against on this play or not, you know, just by the way Arkansas was lined up. But Brooks, I don't mean to harp on the kid because, again, this just was not a game where he should have been out there. But he didn't make a play to, on that, you know, he didn't make a play. And it's because he's, you know, 175 pounds on the edge there, and they're running right at him. You know, even if he makes a tackle, it's still going to be a, a pickup. I still, they're still going to gain yardage on that because he's not going to drive anybody backwards, whereas you had, you know, McClure or Hayden Henry out there on the outside. Maybe a different story. The most infuriating thing about this whole thing is we're coming off a bye week to end of that game. And I guarantee you Auburn does this same game plan faster and with a better offensive line, and we're going to look better up front against it, and they're going to make the corrections. Instead of making it in-game, they're going to take this week, they're going to prepare for it. Our defense is going to look better because Chavis historically does well against Auburn. Pete wrote an article about that. No, it was was Brandon Marcello. I tweeted the story out, and everybody was like, you sure are doing a turnaround train. I was like, I didn't write the story. It was interesting. But 11 – so of 11 – of Gus Malzahn's 11 worst performances in terms of putting up offensive yardage, um, four of those have come against John Chavis, including giving up just 225 yards last year against Auburn. Yeah, just watch it. I mean, and it's it's funny to be, to be mad at improvement, but I will be because they could have won that game. It's, and that, that – that to me is a uh, a coaching scheme on defense. Now, I I still like the play calling. I tweeted something out during the game. I said Chad Morris is obviously calling this game on offense, and everybody's like, "Yeah, it sucks. Fire him." I'm like, "No, the plays are there. They're just not making the throws. Hey, I, mean, I agree. With- moving the ball up and down. It's it- it's on. At a certain point, it has to be on a player right. <laughs> because I know nobody wants to pick on a 22 year old kid, mm-hmm. but. They're the ones out there making the throws and the tackles. Keith, we had a guy call in to drive time yesterday, and, you know, I was saying, you know, he was pointing everything at Chad Morris and and coming up with a lot of factually inaccurate stuff when I just said, you know, there's plenty of things to complain about with this program without making stuff up. Uh, But he said – I said, you know, yes, some of this is on Chad Morris, but it's also on, you know, this guy. It's on Bielema. It's on Petrino. It's on Long. You know, and he's like, when are we going to stop blaming the past? And I'm just like – so every coach that gets, you know, their first year, they should be fired if they don't win right right out of the gate, you know. It's a lot of stuff that's happened over the years to put Arkansas in this situation where they're at. And so I'm not saying that, like, it's all on this on the pass, but that's part of it. And when you talk about play calling, I mentioned that, you know, C.J. O'Grady was wide open in the end zone for a touchdown. And then later on that drive, Starkle had uh, Trey Burks uh, alone in the back of the end zone and opted for a shorter pass out to the flats. And the guy said, that's coaching. And I'm just like, so no, they're not, everything, they're not we got to put everything. 
third and ten, third and ten to throw it to the flat, and right. while you're running a skinny post behind it, exactly. That's not the play like ultimately, we can say everything is coaching, you know. But I mean, it's not necessarily. It's okay to say there are more than just like everybody's just looking for one reason why things suck. And as you mentioned, the cycle of suck. Uh, there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons for for this uh, for this ship to go down. It just dawned on me that, you know, since Bo Mattingly has taken that job at the U of A, that you're pretty much the, the statewide most recognizable source for Arkansas uh, sports media. And you've taken a huge jump in this, and I'm sure you've been counting your money at the house too, so I'm still waiting <laughs> on my royalty for that cycle of suck. Yeah, the, the, the cycle of suck. If we get that coined and everything trademarked. Um well, I appreciate you saying that, but I, I think a lot of it is the avenue with moving to 24-7 sports. They just, you know, being with CBS and stuff, just just able to get the message out there a little bit better. So um, there are plenty of sports media people that don't get their due. A lot of people give Bob Holt hell, but Bob does a great job. I mean, he asks tons does of questions. He? he does. He's different. He's different. How does he's it been- make you feel that you fumbled <laughs> on the one? That's not a – that's – come on, bro. That's – that's sixty years of laziness. He's just like he's just waiting. No, on he's not. Set. You got to know. You got to know Bob Holt. And you never answered me how he smells in person because I can only. <laughs> I just you can just look at people and just see like <laughs> they well. And, and if you follow on Twitter, he, he posts a lot of tweets, uh, uh, pictures of, about his cats. Yeah. There's a lot of cats in his like this dingy office. I don't notice I love, a certain odor. What? How do you think I smell? Um, <laughs> some sort of patchouli infused <laughs> turmeric juice or something I, you, know, you probably juice. drink turmeric in the morning and it just comes out of your pores mm, i do just I, a dirty hippie i i'm not a dirty hippie but i, I do uh i do intake cumin it's good for the joints I, exactly you're one of those people <laughs> that will tell, tell tell everybody about the amount of herbs that they put in there and spices that they put in their coffee yeah it well. just reeks <laughs> well Anyway, I you know it's. I think it's going to be a close game. I like the. I, I actually like the early morning games mm-hmm. at home against higher ranked opponents. You know, there's been a couple upsets against Auburn. I'm not saying we're going to win, but I I, I like the 11 a.m. kickoff. Um, and, and I remember a lot of those games mainly because out here that kicks off at 9 a.m. and I'm not I'm not in half in the bag at that mm-hmm. point. You know, so I, I remember almost every play. I think but, the 11 a.m. kickoff for a road team is underrated. Like, people always talk about the night game, you know, and the environment and stuff. But sometimes for the team that's had a bunch of travel going on, you know, it's important to get a good night's sleep on Thursday night because you're not going to sleep very well Friday night most of the time, and you're the team that's traveling. You know, a lot of times you, you wake up, you get started, and, you you know, the game's already going on, and, you you know, you're kind of still sleepwalking a little bit. So, I don't I don't think that's necessarily a bad time to have an 11 a.m. kickoff. I can see this team absolutely bouncing back, you know, with a, us against the world type of attitude, even though I don't necessarily think that's the case or should be the case in terms of, you know, how people react to, to their own fans. But – I could absolutely see them, you know, maybe maybe competing in this game a little closer than the experts think, but I still absolutely think Auburn's going to win the game and just ultimately out-athlete and out-experience Arkansas. Do you think they're going to roll out Hicks or Starkle? And, and, and on to that point, my concern is, well, 
from a coaching standpoint, which is easier to correct? Starkle's mm-hmm. seven interceptions or Hicks' Hicks's seven sacks to one touchdown? Yeah, as we were mentioning earlier in the show, Hicks is just kind of seems like you know what you're going to get with Hicks. You know, it's always kind of going to be in the middle of the road, a lot of passes to the boundary, not a guy that's going to drive it downfield or use the entire field. And then Starkle, you have this super high level that he can reach and this dramatically low level. You know, and you don't know what you're going to get. And so I wouldn't be opposed to seeing both of these guys get an opportunity in the game very early on. And if Starkle is hitting that top end, then let him go. But if he's not, then go with Hicks and make that decision early. And I'm not saying just, like, stick to that to the rest of the year. I'm saying maybe use that policy more. You know, if Starkle's hitting on a high level, go with him. If he's not, then go with Hicks and make that decision earlier. I think if they made the decision earlier against Kentucky, then we'd be talking about a win right now. Man, then you're going you're, – I always hate looking too far into the future, but now you're talking about rolling into next year. If there's this much controversy this year, then you're seeing a redshirt freshman, mm-hmm. K.J. Jefferson, a true freshman, Chandler Morris, rolling into South Bend. Yeah. <laughs> or, or hey, I'm not saying – you know, I've been saying for a long time that, that K.J. isn't ready yet, you know, that I think the other quarterbacks give you a better option. I, I, I may have come off that a little bit more since – you know, Starkle threw the five interceptions against San Jose State. And, you know, I didn't obviously didn't play very well against Kentucky. But if we get down to after this Alabama game, you got four games left. You know, I don't think that putting KJ Jefferson in for a significant amount of time is a bad idea and start getting him ready. Yeah, I just, I, you know, I've seen some of that practice footage where he can't throw a screen pass. He's, he's, he's like, People don't into the right seat, like into the running backs. People don't rea- people don't realize that KJ is reworking some mechanical stuff. Um, I've mentioned before he's got a bit of a hitch in his throwing motion, and that takes some work to revise. Now he throws one pass and it just looks like a laser beam, just you know a rocket, and then the next one just like gets away from him, and you're like, what just happened? You know, and that happens quite a bit, and. You know, you can't have something like that happen on a third down. But at the same time, if Starkle is going to play the way he's playing, you know, um, and I do think Hicks has has stepped up lately and has played better. I I do think it's kind of weird that, you know, Arkansas – I do think it's kind of weird that the backup quarterback is outplaying the starter typically. That's that's just weird. Yeah, it's a a psychological thing. And I I don't know what they're telling these guys behind the – behind the scenes but whatever they're telling them is not they need to tell the starter what they're telling the backup because yeah. they're uh and and morris is the qb coach right or is it craddock craddock yeah morris morris is just the head coach well i mean he spends time with yes every, he spends extra you, time with you, the if offense if you versus point the all your success back to a quarterback right. i would therefore think that you're going to work with quarterbacks yes yes i mean bielema was more involved with the defense definitely when he was at arkansas because he was a defensive guy all right keith well, hopefully for your sake that it's a close game and we don't get blown out so you don't have to roll into that press conference and hold up that Ken doll and say, where did where on the doll did Coach Malzahn touch you? <laughs> so, since you've been our therapist um, throughout this year. Yeah, but my post-game therapy session. Good luck Good luck in that yeah. post-game presser. I know it's everybody worries about Trey's mental state. He's going to be just fine. He's, <laughs> he's, he's got all these outlets and these uh, – revenue sources from all this internet stuff oh yeah that's what's happening just (laughs) killing it all right man all right man Uh, it's gonna be 35 20 35 20 obby okay gotcha you heard it from keith grayson right there 35 20 auburn uh, on saturday is what he's predicting i could see something like that maybe maybe arkansas covering 
Um, I think it's like 17 and a half. So, all right, we'll get to a couple of your questions. We've already gone over, but I want to jump into your questions here. Um, there was a senior in Nashville, Tennessee named Micah Fan that somebody needs to take a look at soon. Let's see if we got what kind of question we got. Jim Taylor says, Jim in Fresno, California, why didn't we cram Boyd down their throats all day long last Saturday? I agree. The best part of the day was Trey Biddy's after-game walk. Uh, now that's pretty sad, isn't it? <laughs> Just kidding. Love your walk. Appreciate that. I like doing the walk and talk. You know, I mean, I'd love to do one after a win, after a big win. Uh, Garrett Bernard says, go Pete, Baseville represents. Do we see KJ this weekend? I don't think they will. I think we might see KJ the last four games. I think they – you know, are going to want to hold on to his red shirt. Unless the other two quarterbacks are just, you know, completely blowing up uh, or, you know, completely being terrible. Um, I'm worried about this AU game. Graham Cox has great article on how we as fans can impact our recruiting and social media. Hawk Sports is the best in the biz. Keep it up. Appreciate you. Chad Morris is – I like what Chad Morris has done with the program, says Joey Ernest. I think the problem is with the coordinators. I think we – Need an offensive coordinator with SEC experience. Has anyone else decommitted, says Jeremy Phillips? No. Trey, I have to give it to you. Attaboy and how you handled the DTS caller. Yeah, that guy was just kind of being irrational. I mean, I understand his frustration. I get it. People are frustrated. But there's no reason to, you know, say stuff that just isn't quite true. Um. All right. I think we pretty much covered everything, guys. I want to thank everybody for joining me. Again, wouldn't be able to do this show without all of you. I want to remind you there's plenty of ways to watch and listen. Facebook Live, YouTube. Be sure to throw us a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button and hit the notifications bell so you're notified anytime uh, we upload a new video. If you're watching on or listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to throw us a five-star review right now. We'd love to have that uh, from you. Also available on Spotify and Stitcher. Hogsports.com, just $1 right now for your first month or 30% off for your first year. And that comes with a seven-day free trial with the latter. So be sure to go on there and check us out if you haven't done so already. All right. Thank you again for joining us. Going to be an interesting game on Saturday, bright and early. We're going to get to talk to Darren McFadden before kickoff, so that'll be a little interesting. We'll have some of that more on hogsports.com. Also, the basketball game on Sunday. Uh, be sure to get on Hogsports. Eric Musselman's here talking in a little bit, so we'll have some more from that. Um, again, thanks to Keith Grayson and Pete Rullier for joining us. Thanks to all of you. It's been Trey Biddy with hogsports.com. We'll catch you next time.